Bonchik's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bonchik is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Hi, I'm attorney Bill Bronchick, and in this lesson I'd like to discuss with you the very important topic of making sure you get the right signature on your purchase contract. Now, obviously, when you're dealing with a seller, you want to know who the seller is, who else is on the ownership of the property. I know it seems obvious, but here's some nuances that you might not be aware of. Now, before we get into this, make sure when you're having a conversation with a seller first, over the phone perhaps, that you have all persons that are obligated to sign at the meeting. The worst thing you can do is negotiate a deal with, let's say, the husband, and they say, oh, by the way, my wife, who's not living with me, has to approve this too because she's on title. Bad mistake. So make sure all parties who have to sign are there. Now, for example, one is making sure who is on the deed to the property. If they have a copy of the deed, that would be helpful. If you could pull it up online or pull it up off the tax assessor records, find out all the names of the parties on title they all have to sign. Now, in some states that are called community property, California is an example, it is presumed that all marital property belongs to both spouses, which means that even if title is just vested in husband's name, wife, as long as they're married, has to sign off on the deed eventually, thus has to sign the purchase contract. So if you're in a community property state and someone says, don't worry about my wife, she moved out, or don't worry my husband, he moved out, and they're still married, there's a community property right to that asset, okay? So you got to get both signatures on it. In other states that are not community property, some have what's called dower, D-O-W-E-R, and courtesy, not like courteous, but courtesy, C-U-R-T-E-S-Y. Those are spousal rights to property, similar to community property, but in the end, it's the same basic concept. You need both signatures of the spouses, even if only one is on title. So that would be on the purchase contract as well as the closing documents, the deed. Okay? So, again, make sure you know who the people are that you legally have to deal with that are owners on the property and meet with those parties together. Don't do it separately. Even if they're not talking to each other, maybe you can do a three-way phone call or something for First, but really try to negotiate it all at once so they don't pull a routine of higher authority, uh, for example, like car dealers do when they say, I'll talk to my boss and see if I can get you a deal instead of talking to the boss directly. You know what I mean. Okay, the second scenario would be a corporate entity. If you're dealing with someone who has, for example, an LLC, 
or a corporation, make sure that you have the proper person who is signing. Now, for example, an LLC can be managed by members or managers. If it's managed by members, then someone signs as member. Any member can sign. If it's managed by managers, then someone has to sign who is a manager. And a lot of sellers who own LLCs don't even know the difference. Make sure you pull a copy of their uh, filing document off of the Secretary of State website and see who's named as the manager or managers or even if there are managers or no managers. That way you know the person is signing in the proper capacity on the purchase contract. Also, the operating agreement of the company may require approval of all the members to sell a property. So you need a corporate resolution authorizing that. Now, on the purchase contract, that might not be as important as it closing because a title company may require a resolution, but just keep that one in mind. A third scenario that might come up is in the state. Someone says, yeah, my mom just died and I'm the sole heir to her estate, so I'd like to sell you my property. And you ask, well, was there a will? Yes, she left it to me. Have you opened an estate proceeding, a probate proceeding? And then the seller says, what does that mean? Well, obviously they haven't. When the person dies solely owning property in their own name, it now belongs to their estate. And until someone is appointed as the representative, i.e. the executor of the estate, nobody has authority to sign the property over from the estate except that person. So a probate proceeding must be open and the way you prove it is ask the seller for what's called letters of testamentary or letters of administration, which is a court-signed document that gives them that legal authority to sign. So the seller on the contract is not the individual, it's the estate of the dead person, signed by the individual who is the personal representative of the estate. And that's how the contract should read in the closing documents should read. Now, if the person already inherited the property, they've already gone through this and it's already been deeded to the individual heir, then it's like any other closing, the heir just signs. There are a few exceptions to this. For example, in joint tenancy, that means let's say you've got husband and wife own the property together in joint tenancy. So husband dies and now wife wants to sell you the property. Do you need an estate probate and all that stuff? The answer is no because joint tenancy means that whoever survives gets the other half upon the death of the other party automatically. All you need is a death certificate recorded in the county and that's it. Now, how do you know if it's held in joint tenancy? Well, this is where it gets tricky. Look at the existing deed to the property, the last one that vested it in their names as husband and wife. If it says husband and wife and just their names, not husband and wife, but just say person A, person B, and it says nothing else, well, by default, that's tenancy in common, which does not have a right of survivorship. You have to go through probate process. If it says person A and person B as joint tenants, there you go. Or it might say as joint tenants with right of survivorship or some variation. That's joint tenancy. In most states, however, A and B as husband and wife 
means joint tenancy automatically, but you'll have to check that with your local attorney or title company to make sure that that's clear. So make sure, in summary, you know who the legal parties are to the ownership of the property and who has rights to the property. That way, the property can be signed over legally with a contract. One last scenario, a bankruptcy. If someone has filed for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, what that mean is they created an estate, sort of like a death estate. It's called the bankruptcy estate. And in that case, only the trustee in bankruptcy has legal authority to sign a deed. In that point, once they file, the individual cannot sign a deed over to you legally. So you have to go to the trustee in bankruptcy and ask them to allow the transaction. Just keep that one in mind. This is Bill Bronchuk. I hope you enjoyed this brief lesson on making sure the proper parties are signing your contract. Thank you for listening to Bill Bronchuk's Real Estate Investing Podcast. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.